We are live, Kristen. How's it going? It's going pretty good. We just had a discussion about the choice of headphones that I picked up this round of recording. I gave you the better quality ones, but you said they're not better quality because they don't feel as bready on your ears. Well, I'm trying to determine what makes them better quality because they're not as comfortable on my ear. So my evaluation is just... The electronics and the sound and just the general makeup off them is is better quality. I like when they feel like fresh dinner rolls. So it doesn't matter how it sounds, it's just how it feels on your ears? More or less. That's more, that's the priority. Okay, so I'll give you the shady headphones from now on. From now on. Okay. Okay. So we are back from five weeks of traveling. Uh, A very large portion of it spent in Colombia at an artist residency. How do you feel? Oh, it's pretty wild to be back. We've only been home maybe three or four days, and of that time, we threw a birthday party. (laughs) We cleaned our house top to bottom. I had a day in the studio. We had a friend surprise us from Ontario for a visit that we took around the city. So I feel like today is kind of our first real day to just be home and relax. Well, not really relax. Here we are recording a podcast, but... Their first day back in kind of the normal, just everyday life of off an artist that yeah. we are. So we're in work mode, I suppose, in working. some ways. But we did talk about while we were away that we want to make a better effort at relaxing and not filling our days so much that we're guilty of doing. We're not maybe off to a great start already, are we? Oh, we, we went for a walk and... Mm. Uh, I'm still in pajamas. Does that count? I'm in pajamas. That's a good thing. I'm going to go for another swim later. Okay. I got my new Tide app, so I go when it's low tide. Let's tell everyone about the Tide app because you, like your face just lit up <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> well, it's an app that tells you where the tide's at and... It's either high tide, low tide, or somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. And I just open the app up. Usually you just go to the beach and, you know. It, you, you just have, wing it. You have no idea. But now I've just, I got it all memorized in my head for the next week when high and low tides are. And you prefer low tide for your swims. Is well, that true? Well, just at this particular beach, like there's not much of a beach when it's high tide. So, mm-hmm. so low tide, you, you can just... Get on the sand, you're not worrying about rocks, and you can just, just really enjoy yourself. Yeah, I'm glad you found that. Yeah. How are you feeling, generally speaking, after a, a five-week adventure? I'm pretty tired and <laughs> sore and all. Uh, it, it, traveling isn't ever relaxing, and I know some people go to like all-inclusives just to relax, but that's, that's not what we were doing. Mm-hmm. We... We walked a minimum of 15 or 16 kilometers a day when we were. So we spent four weeks in Colombia. We're going to spend most of our conversation today talking about that. But on the tail end of that time spent in South America, we went to New York City for four nights and we just we walked our feet raw. I was reminded of when I was in my early 20s and used to wear high heels out to 
go to the bar, go dancing all night, and you'd come home and your feet were just like bloody stumps. They kind of felt like that, but... You usually wear high heels around the house here, though. Of course. Like the last night when I'm you wearing made, Crocs now. When you made supper last night, you put on high heels, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> and, Maybe socks. In Colombia, I looked at uh, the the health app after a little while, you know, after some some days of hiking that, and realized I was climbing over a hundred floors every day. Yeah, we we walked and lot. hiked a lot in Colombia too. We just we're big walkers, so that's part of. Our pleasure as well, but yeah. <laughs> we probably, we pushed a little much. I'm very sore as well, but it, it was completely worth it. I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. Well, let's let's talk about the the residency. Like the reason we were gone was to, to work on writing a second book. And let's just talk a little bit about what a residency is and how our day-to-day life was and yeah, how, how we just kind of found it ourselves. We knew we wanted to go somewhere to make a transition from me leaving my job for is one of the reasons or motivations maybe, but it was a way that we could visit a new country, but still be working or creating something. So I don't even think you and I had a great understanding of exactly what our day to day would look like, but we went online early this year and poked around around the world really at different residencies that uh, we could apply to and that's what we did we applied to a number of places and heard back from uh, Rick Dragon who is the director of the residency we were accepted into in Colombia and we were uh, we were accepted to go there he had asked for a bit of a profile I suppose some samples of our writing and our CVs and that kind of thing and so it was pretty quick turnaround, uh, digital communication with yeah. with Rick. And we had a, a Zoom chat with him as well, just to get to know each other. He wanted to know who we were and what we were bringing to the table, and we wanted to make sure he wasn't uh, a mobster. Mm-hmm. You know, Rick Dragon sounds like a pretty made-up name who's likely in the cartel. So, Yeah, he may be still. We don't know, but... I feel like Rick... Is not in the cartel. No, he's a, he's a he's a sweet man. A, we were lucky to have met him and everyone else involved. A, he might have the uh, Walter White going though, <laughs> the Breaking Bad. Like he's just super nice painter, drummer, just mm-hmm. easy going. But well read. Oh yeah, he's maybe the most well read person I've ever met. Yeah, same. Um, but he yeah he he might make. Drugs and kill people and decide. Anybody who, who might. Knows? Yeah, we don't know. Rick, if you're listening, we're only, we're joking, bud. Yeah, we love you. We know. We know who you are. And you're... Peppa and, and the whole crew. But so we were, we were accepted into this residency, booked the tickets, did the thing, but we still didn't really know where we were going or what we were getting ourselves into. And we had hired a, a recommended driver, uh, Don Nelson, <laughs> uh, who is a sweet Spanish man, and he picked us up at uh, our airport hotel and drove us for multiple hours into the absolute middle of nowhere. And he can't speak English also. No, he uh, he got us there safe and sound, though. And it was interesting on that drive because you're 
the weather kept changing. It was raining and then sunny. And we went through a number of different landscapes to finally arrive at the residency, which is a few hours outside of Bogota, the capital city of Colombia. Yeah. So we we got to see some of the country on the way. Yeah. It was a beautiful drive. (laughs) The driving in Colombia is just absolutely insane. Like, you have to be a maniac to want to drive in that. It's just, there's got to be like hundreds of deaths every day. Just Yeah, the infrastructure just does not parallel what we're used to here in Canada. And it's funny because when we got home, there's a, a petition circulating in our subdivision to remove the speed bumps. And it's just so funny to us having spent the last month in a country that if you have just a few feet of pavement that's torn up, that's like a really good road. Yeah. <laughs> and Don Nelson has a little shitty red car. I don't even know what brand it is. All the A lot of the brands down there I've never heard of. But he drove that car on the wharf through, through, the, through the city, first off, through, through the most dangerous traffic imaginable, motorbikes cutting in front of you, transfer trucks cutting you off. Got us through that. Eventually, we're in the countryside. Soon we're on a dirt road that you, if you lived in North America and mm-hmm. someone said, oh, I'm going to take a car up that road, people would say, you're absolutely out of your mind. Like You're, you're going to ruin your car in 30 seconds. Oh, we both joked about our dads being like, why not a chance now am I driving up that? <laughs> he drove for multiple hours <laughs> on this dirt road, just like landslides all around us and like crossing rivers, just, and we got, he's pouring sweat. Like he's so his anxious. face is red and we hit every bump we hit. He's like, oh, it's just, but he, he's an, he's a great guy and he drove us back as well. But, um, yeah. And so we arrived at this residency. It's a 250 plus acre former coffee plantation. So there's a bit of, existing infrastructure that remains from that time when it was a functional farm. We had, uh, Mike and I, you and I had our own uh, accommodations. We had a private room and bathroom. Uh, There were some folks that were more in a a shared room environment that were volunteering. Yeah, everyone else was generally a volunteer other than just before we were leaving a few other full-time residents arrived yeah so if you're a resident you just pay more money essentially which is still very minimal and if you're a volunteer uh you just work four hours a day in exchange for your board essentially and then pay a small fee for your food and we had three meals a day three vegetarian meals a day that we're all delicious and cooked by the, the residents there with us, the volunteers. And yeah, I've, I've never really eaten vegetarian for too long. We'll have vegetarian meals and maybe do a, a, a short period here and there. And I, I did really like the food, but when we left, first thing we did was go get the greasiest bacon cheeseburger we could find. Yeah, we did. And that was I like destroyed that burger. A flavor explosion. Yeah, the food really was exceptional. It was, and, you know, it was. But we're not used to eating that often or that many carbs either. So it definitely impacted our bodies in new ways, we'll say. We got fatter. Yeah, we got fatter. It. And yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> but yeah, the, the residency, there's probably 
six or seven, I guess, other people there with us. And then Rick Dragon and uh, Peppa, they are the, I guess, administrative people there. And yeah, six we, or seven other artists. Yeah. 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 yeah we, we showed up and like Don Nelson dropped us off. He, he needed a drink because he was just pouring sweat from a three hour stressful drive. And uh, we got there and the whole crew was out eating, eating lunch, overlooking the most beautiful valley and view you could ever see. Like the, the residency is on the side of a mountain and that mountain looks down a valley that is, there's a mountain on the right and left. And we're kind of just on the backside looking down at it and it goes 75 miles of view and off in the distance there's two volcanoes which we we got to see quite a bit like mm-hmm. some people were there for a while and didn't see them at all but yeah the weather is unpredictable so they're not always in clear view but we did get to see them at least once a week oh yeah yeah and, and uh, it, one of them is active so i i didn't do the math to figure out if it erupted if we'd be safe or not but uh <laughs> Not get out that, of there just in time. Not that there's an equation or anything. <laughs> 75 miles away divided by, yeah, I don't know what the hell the math would be. But anyways, uh, it was pretty cool to see those two volcanoes just yeah. off in the distance. And and at, at night, we'd sit in that, that lunch spot and you could, you'd look down upon the valley. For some reason, there was lightning around us every night. Like, not on it. Like, it would still be beautiful and warm and clear sky but the lightning just surrounding us and the lightning would light up the volcanoes and the surrounding mountains and you'd look up and the stars would be full in the sky and then the fireflies they would just fly and glow all around our heads it was pretty pretty cool like you get this mesmerizing light show in three different capacities yeah it felt like our personal entertainment every evening and then every day we had to be on high alert for being entertained by deadly creatures yeah. that we may encounter. There were three caterpillars on site that could kill us. Mm-hmm. One looked like a dog's tail. One was green with little spikes. And one was just oh, just an average caterpillar, it looked like. Yeah. We saw some. Yeah. We saw also a tarantula. Would you like to see a tarantula? Yeah, that's how we were woken up one day, like maybe day four or five. I walk out of our room and was asked by this sweet woman from the UK if we wanted to come see a tarantula, and we did. It, yeah, just was walking through, walking by our room, actually, mm-hmm. where there's a gap under the door. Like, all the doors there, for some reason, don't go all the way to the ground. <laughs> like a one or two inch gap in some <laughs> of them. And yeah, he just walked by and could easily just have walked into our room. Oh yeah, we started checking like every time before you sit down or take a step somewhere, I would check in our bed sheets every night. If you get up to pee in the middle of the night, I would take my flashlight to check everything there. So it, uh, yeah, we weren't staying at a five-star resort by any means, but we had everything we needed, especially... Going there as artists, there was a music studio, an art studio, a place that we call the Granero, which is a converted granary. Uh, and that 
place was used for movement. We would do lots of just yoga and exercise. But if you were a, a dancer or a performance artist, that kind of thing, then that space was meant for that type of creativity. And we were there writing, so there were a lot of little nooks and crannies that we would find that we could certainly do that in. Yeah, we, we found our spots pretty early on and just kind of circled between them. But uh, explain what a day would look like there just for for the the listeners here every day was a little bit different but our meals were structured so we would have breakfast at eight lunch at one and dinner at seven every evening and those were communal meals with the rest of the artists and sometimes staff if there were folks around that wanted to join us uh lots of different choices of food so it was nice to have that consistency and structure because you could think about what you might want to do in between those times. Uh, there were some days that you and I chose to walk to one of the local villages, which were called Pandy and San Bernardo, both of which were around eight kilometers from where we were staying. So it wasn't just a quick five minute jaunt into town. It was like several hours just to go buy a chocolate bar. And San Bernardo was up a mountain. Yeah, you had to summit a mountain <laughs> to go buy anything. Or you could call Luis. and Who had many job titles. The, uh, on the bulletin board at the residency, there was a list of contacts for, for everything. And uh, for the police, it said, not helpful in case of an emergency. But for Luis, it said... <laughs> Call Luis in case of an emergency. And he's just this dude who drives people around, but he's a pretty good chance he's in the cartel, I think. Uh, he's he's kind of a tough-looking guy. He always wears, like, a shirt with cut-off sleeves, and he owns three three vehicles. Yeah, he's pretty jacked, too. Yeah, we, so we, we called Luis one day uh, after after we did the walk into San Bernardo, like, we were the only people, I think, in the history of the residency who walked there and back the same day. Yeah, like, like a 16-kilometer round trip. thought we were crazy. Yeah. Uh, but we're like, let's go to get some chocolate and wine, like <laughs> the only reasons you go to town. So we call up Luis, and uh, he uh, sends another guy who looked like he'd... Well, he was through a fire of some sort. Mm-hmm. His face was all melted, and he kind of looked like Freddy Krueger. Um, really nice guy. Uh, but he, I, I don't know how that injury came about. Um, it could be uh, just an accident, or it could be he disobeyed Luis at one point in time. Hard to say. He got us to town. He got us to town and dropped us off at the bar where Luis was. And the reason he couldn't come get us was because he was, well, shit faced at the. Well, he tried to get us shit-faced, too, but we, we had a beer. We went in the bar with Luis and his... Uh, posse. His posse. <laughs> and we looked around, and you in these towns, like, most places we've traveled before, like, you, in Costa Rica, and you see a bunch of North American surfing, or you see whatever, just there's just white people around, anyway. Mm-hmm. In these towns, like, if we had to find... 
another white person, we couldn't. Oh, there absolutely. Was not even close. There was no English. There was no, like, nothing. We were very much in the middle of nowhere to begin with. And then, yeah, yeah you walk or get a ride with Luis or one of his men <laughs> to... To the town, and like there were little markets around and a few shops that we could get some provisions, some comforts from home. But yeah, it was incredibly, I felt like we were in a movie scene when we were yeah. in that bar in particular. Well, Just... I tipped uh, the drive to town cost like whatever, five bucks or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tipped them like $2 and Luis was like, so if anyone tried to mess with us after that. Yeah, we were we, BFFs. We were good. He bought us a round of drinks and he wanted to buy us more, but we had to go yeah. do some other things. But uh, yeah, in those towns, it was just such a unique experience because, again, you are you are 100% an outsider. And- I'm so grateful to have that reality because I, especially when we talk so much about New immigrants, say, coming to Nova Scotia and we've gone through Black Lives Matters, uh, you know, which is, of course, is never ending. But we we saw a bit of a height of that a couple of years ago. And you start to question and, and wanting to be empathetic and have a better understanding of, like, what does it really feel like to be j- just me in one of these settings? And we certainly felt very welcomed and comfortable and everyone was friendly, but I I appreciated having that unique opportunity of being like, we are very clearly the minority here. Yeah. And again, everyone there was really nice to us and accommodating and you you know enough Spanish to to be able to communicate more or less with, with people. I got it. We survived yeah. on my Spanish. And then we, we found an app that uh, that translated for us. Yeah, which actually helped me learn a lot as well. But so, yes, back to your original question, a day in the life. We wouldn't often go to town. I'd say at least once a week we would go to one of the yeah. towns, though. And usually in the morning uh, we'd get up and do a little yoga and meditation. That was often part of our routine, maybe write in our journal and we'd spend that time in the morning usually deciding what we individually wanted to work on. Maybe we were working on a piece of writing. Um, you might be working on a new song. I did a lot of reading while we were away. I read eight books in a month. So I did a lot of that and just kind of had our time. You might interact with another artist, but for the most part, people were working on their own things and you'd wait for the lunch bell to ring for one o'clock and go down and join the crew for if it was raining you'd eat indoors in the in the dining room or outdoors at the picnic tables if if it was sunny out and and then similar in 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 the evenings really uh i took some dance classes Uh, some of you listeners may have seen that dance routine that one of the residents there amy uh choreographed and so we'd go to rehearsal every day that week and sometimes there were workshops put on. We did figure drawing on Mondays, which was really cool. Something that you and I had never tried before. Yeah. So you're drawing. People would take turns posing and you would draw them as best you could in five minutes and then they'd switch poses. And so there was a variety of creativity each day. It kind of felt the same, but kind of different each day. Does that make sense? 
I don't know if you well, felt that you could, way. You could ultimately do whatever you wanted. Yeah. So if you wanted to make it the same as another day, it could be. If you want to make it different, you could. Um, I think like you want to kind of get into some type of routine just to just to have some familiarity every day. And I started hiking up the, the mountain at uh, just before sunset every day, before supper and sunset. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I like to do. And we, the, the animals there we should talk about too. There were three dogs, uh, Chimba, Guarita, and Jolene. I think you should explain what their names mean. Well, Jolene too. means Jolene. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guarita means whore. <laughs> and Chimba means son of a bitch. So uh, <laughs> they were named by, I think Peppa named them. She's from Colombia. She's Spanish. And she thought it would be hilarious, which it is. That uh, all us gringos would go to town with the dogs, and when we're trying to round them up, we're yelling out, Chimba, Garita! So just think of uh, someone who doesn't really know English in a little town yelling out, Whore! Son of a bitch! Like, <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on us. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it is. Uh, and we didn't know that's what it meant until of like, course. a little that's while. That's part of the and, fun yeah. for them. But the dogs really, and there were two cats, Yuka and uh, Cookie, yeah. who looked like our cat George. So it made us feel more at ease and helped yeah. us miss George just a little bit less. But the animals were a constant presence there and we fell in love with them. We took them walking every day and snuggled them and they were very soothing to have. Well, they loved coming with us too, right? Yeah. Like any, like we did a couple walks every day and we'd have three dogs usually with is Guarita's a little bit older so if she was out for a couple walks already she she'd want to go but she knew her limitations we learned too that the day that we left Guarita went missing for 24 hours and they think it's because she was trying to chase like yeah. find us like chase us it's into really town sad yeah and sweet at the same time she came back and is okay but yeah it's very heartwarming she was she was my favorite. Well, not I wouldn't say favorite, but she I guess she really liked me. Yeah. And uh, Melly, one of our our friends there from France, she she was really into the dogs, and she got a little jealous when <laughs> when uh, Guarita kind of fell in love with you yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, she had some competition for the dog's affection. Yeah. But yeah, they they were super sweet and like. The walks we do together, they'd be with us. And then when I'd go up the, the mountain or on the trails, I'm just, me and the dogs just kind of taking it all in. And as yeah. soon as you stop walking, they just sit down and they're just with you. Like as long yeah, as. Yeah, they're so obedient. It's weird because people rescue dogs in North America and they're just, they can't, no matter what they do, they can't train them. And you take them to specialists, behavioral psychologists all that and the dogs there are just <laughs> wild ones that showed up and they're like so well behaved yeah i don't, I don't understand it today's episode is sponsored by art pays me a lifestyle brand and podcast founded in halifax nova scotia by Dwayne jones in 2011 Dwayne is an artist and designer who moved to halifax from bermuda in 2000 to attend the nova scotia college of art and design After graduating, he started a family and decided to plant roots in Canada. 
Dwayne's motivation to start the brand came from years of frustration over the way that creative people are viewed in business settings. His mission is to motivate people to embrace their creative strengths to achieve financial and creative independence. We've both worked with Dwayne and have been guests on his podcast. We appreciate his commitment to the arts and how he generously profiles so many creative talents in our city. You can follow Dwayne on Instagram at artpaysme and online at www.artpaysme.com. We also had some consistency in most Fridays we would do a performance and yeah. often there were people local people invited uh, from the from Pandy or San Bernardo or, or otherwise. So you would play guitar and sing at that. I did my dance routine one week. Yeah. And if anyone had something they wanted to share, then they had the opportunity to do that, which was great because we could practice as artists. But you you also get the the feedback on works in progress. So it didn't have to be a complete piece of work. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm picking away at this song. What do you guys think? So it was a, we would do that in the evenings. And we also did something called onces, which is kind of a round circle share of a work in progress as well. So you and I did some readings at those. And then the, the other artists who were participating at the residency would offer their feedback or if they had yeah. questions. So we didn't, we've had people ask us if we received instruction. So it, it wasn't really like that as far as a learning experience, but you had the eyes and ears and feedback of artists from all over the world that you could share what you were working on and and get their feedback on that so that was a really cool way yeah. actually of learning and sharing and the con the concerts are probably my favorite part of the the whole residency just because again i guess i got to perform like I, I i love doing that but just got to meet a lot of the local people and like that the first one we met that group of friends there and we both busted out a translator <laughs> and we were communicating back and forth and we got invited to a big party in San Bernardo the next day and uh we we almost went but we were like it's gonna be weird being the only white people there you can't really communicate with everybody and everyone would be nice I know I think but, we were just a bit too fresh this was yeah. like day three or four for us so yeah. and just like you know, we'd get we'd get drunk, and how are we gonna get home? <laughs> it's just yeah, we can't do this. We're not responsible enough. Well, it's just like yeah, it, when you can't communicate, that's that becomes a not an issue. I guess kind of an issue, but it's just it's just harder to do everything. Like mm -hmm. you don't understand what's happening around you, and again, we were able to communicate a little bit with with everybody. And again, your Spanish is pretty decent, but. I would I I know we would have had a blast at that party, but there just would have been some things like, yeah, it's whatever one in the morning. How the Luis is already shit faced. Yeah, like, you don't want to be walking back over a mountain at one in the morning, yeah. drunk in the middle of Colombia either. I mean, that actually sounds pretty fun now that uh, I say well, it aloud. But it was dangerous. It would have been dangerous, perhaps, or we would have felt that way. So, not even dangerous, like. The people it's just like traffic and oh exactly and creatures Snakes. yeah <laughs> like on a walk uh one day i was out on a hike on my own it was like raining out but still hot probably three or four kilometers away from the residency and 
every other human. And I came across a little waterfall in a river that we had been in before. And I'm going to dip my head in that, cool down. And I start trekking towards the waterfall and about to dip my head in. And right in front of me is a snake with a red head and black body and red tail. I jump backwards and holy shit, that thing looks poisonous. Because sometimes you can just tell like <laughs> that red head and tail just. Very uh, devilish. Something looking. about it was screamed, I am poisonous. <laughs> and I actually, when I jumped back, I scared the snake and he fell into the river and got caught in the current. And I stood back and I had a walking stick and I felt bad for it. I'm like, oh, that guy could probably kill me, but I don't want to see him stuck in the water. So I flicked him ashore with my stick. And when I got home, my first thing I Googled was, snake in columbia with a red head and red tail and black body and sure enough if you get bit by that you're not making it home you're a friendly opponent to have rescued the snake well but it reminds me of how often other residents from various parts of the world commented on how canadian we were <laughs> well i guess it's your your duty to help out a drowning snake, you know, that's Canadian duty. I suppose I, of course, we're Canadian and we're products of our environment and upbringing, but I hadn't really considered that we would be like cliche in that way, like the way that we look and dress and speak. But most commonly people would would remark on our friendliness and kindness and in a complimentary way, but also in a like, you know, doesn't that get tiring or you don't have to be so nice all the time? And us sort of reflecting on how this isn't any kind of extra effort we put in. It's just genuinely how our how we were raised or how our culture functions here in yeah, Canada. You, you really get to see how cultures are different around the world. Yeah. And at the start, I remember we got there and every person we met, it's like, oh, what's your name? Where are you from? What, what's your art? Us asking that. Yeah. How, yeah. Mm-hmm. how long are you here for? Where are you going after? Like just a series of questions. And it's, I guess it's, we're curious about it. And it just feels like that's how a conversation goes. And pretty soon we're like, no one really ask questions back like it's just like kind of a one-sided conversation and it's and we noticed that about and not that people were being unfriendly or anything but it's i don't know canadians and maybe especially east coast canadians because we're kind of over the top we were so accommodating to other people we put other people in front of ourselves like we met uh, who I mentioned, Melly earlier, who was from France, and she she was very clear in stating how she felt. And she's like, "This is it's because I'm French. French people don't hold back their emotions. And, yeah, Canadians could be having the worst day of their life, and someone asks how you doing. Oh, great, having an awesome day, you know? Right? And we actually had that experience, <laughs> but I I actually so admired that in Melly and it was a good life lesson for me not to be unfriendly and and she was not unfriendly she was just 
so confident and honest in how she was doing and what she wanted to participate in. And I I just was so taken with her ability to, yeah, put priori- prioritize her own feelings and well-being because like there were days that I was not in a good headspace. Like I just, I struggled with, I don't know, lots of things really, just the the time that we had and what was I going to do with myself? I didn't have my regular art studio supplies or access to that kind of thing. I felt old. A lot of the residents were younger than us. So I just kind of felt out of place or like a fish out of the water for the first couple of weeks even. And I cried. I, but if somebody at, you know, spoke to me, you would, I was very Nova Scotian and friendly and smiling and, once I got to know Melly better and some of the other residents too, but I just appreciated that she didn't go through any type of song and dance for anybody else. And I thought that was just such a great quality to try and be honest about more. Like I, I am somebody who needs alone time and I don't always do great in social situations and even around my close friends and family. Like Sometimes I get really quiet or I need to just go be in a room by myself for a little while. And I would always kind of beat myself up about that and like, no, you should be friendly and participating and going to these things and smiling and celebrating. And although most of that comes naturally to us, it's also an expectation we put on ourselves. It's it's just ingrained in us for sure. We we're all not all, but we're 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 people pleasers and that's that's what people from, from here do and it's not necessarily a good thing. It's it's nice, like people are comfortable around you and that, but you're not always looking out for yourself. And you and I had to learn that because I would say everyone else, because we were the only Canadians there. Because the other artists weren't behaving like us, we had to learn and accept that it was truly a cultural difference. And that's something we've kind of brought back with us as well in that we sort of joked that as Nova Scotians even, because Eastern Canadians are all the more kind of upbeat and positive and welcoming and like come in for a cup of tea no matter who you are, that like we can be quite judgmental of others if they're not at the exact same threshold of In kindness Ontario as Ontario and Yeah, like we're guilty Americans. of being the, being so nice but expecting it from others. And that just isn't how necessarily the rest of the world operates. Yeah, well I th- I think it is great to be nice, but again, people don't grow up the same way and just have slightly different values. It doesn't mean they're bad people. If you get to know them, I'm sure they're... And everyone we got to know at the residency from different cultures was amazing. Amazing, you yeah. Know, but they don't act the same way as us. Like, yeah. I've, I know <laughs> I've eaten, like, meals at a restaurant with someone and they're just freaking complaining about how bad the food is or something about it. It's like, it's not even cooked, the fish is frozen, whatever it is. And the waitress comes over, like, how's the meal? Oh, wonderful. It's great. Thank, yeah. thank you so much. Just <laughs> perfect. 
Like that's just that's kind of sums up what people from the East Coast are like. Yeah, like, and we laugh about it, and it it is a nice quality, but it's not necessarily a that's not necessarily a good thing. Well, it's like we're all afraid to say things to people's faces, but we behind their backs we uh will say it. Yeah, it's it's just an interesting cultural observation, and there were artists from Germany and Israel, the UK, um. Where else? The Netherlands. Yeah. The United States. Um, maybe maybe other places that I'm missing, but yeah, it was uh it was interesting feedback that we received. And I, it's not like, oh, well, now I'm gonna change who I am because of this. Like no, I think of it, not. it's more just being accepting of other people. Like it's okay if someone doesn't immediately bend over backwards for you. It's like being the gringo in the small towns there. It's just a unique experience that we had that we wouldn't have had we not been exposed to all these other cultures. So I, yeah, it was just, it was fun, really. It was great to learn. We heard other languages, not just Spanish, being spoken all the time and different political practices. We talked, you know, we got into some great deep conversations around the dinner table often and how different countries were managing themselves and survived the pandemic and lots of great ideas came about. I loved those times. Yeah, and we were there during the national election as well, which was fairly interesting. Um, And just yesterday, uh, it was announced that Petro, the the leftist candidate, Mm -hmm. has won. There was a lot of controversy around their elections are run differently in that the two parties, there was not a 50% majority vote, and therefore they actually went into a second round of voting. And he was the candidate that they expected to win and did, but there's a lot of uh, political unrest, we'll yeah. say, with this outcome. A lot of people think he's either going to get assassinated or not. It's going to... He's going to lose power somewhat. Well, I, I believe there were policies drafted prior to the election that stated if this candidate won, they would be null and void. Yeah. So they were proactively, you know, m- managing the outcomes of some of these files. And, and it's uh, obviously we, we don't understand the full political situation of a country we're not from, but yeah, it sounds like it's it's pretty complex and lots of different sides and if you supported one side for any amount of time that's another group of people aren't going to like you like Mm -hmm. so the politics in Colombia is pretty fascinating what little we know but from the stories we heard from folks that had lived there for either their whole life or a number of years it's it's kind of on the cusp of a rebirth in lots of ways but there's so much history between the guerrilla and FARC and the political leaders and like the police aren't always trustworthy. The Americans have their hands in the economy just to a point of strangulation, essentially. So it was pretty, yeah, it was fascinating to learn about all those nuances, how every district is a little bit different and who you can trust is a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And Columbia, for the most part, is safe now but there there's certainly areas you shouldn't go to yeah like anywhere yeah but 
there's like if you go to like where the cartel is working out of it's like not a good idea yeah not recommended yeah like, it's, <laughs> it's not in the guidebook but it's different like going there is maybe different than going to new waterford in new waterford you might get punched in the face yeah, yeah. but there might lose a couple teeth yeah but there yeah a little different but i, th- I think um maybe the biggest thing that happened on this trip and and talk about this is uh joshua yeah i think you should tell this story so Joshua's mom, Aleha, she she runs a small coffee stand in the town of San Bernardo. Basically the size of a phone booth. Um she's a single mom and she's befriended Rick, Rick Dragon and Peppa off the residency a few years back, I guess, and and they, like we said earlier, at the concerts we had on Friday, they would invite people to the shows just to, you know, they want to have the local presence and they're really inclusive in that. So, so Aleha and her two kids, Joshua, who's 13, and Sarita, who's 10, they, they all came and we didn't, didn't know anything about them. We just knew they were friends with the residency and they came to the, the show. I performed, I performed. I played like a couple sets. Like it was the first that first night we played, and we uh, we chatted with them just kind of briefly at the show, and didn't get to know them super well, but just you could tell they were just really good people and sweet kids who just kind of really close knit family who all loved each other. And I remember the next day, um, actually going up the Granero to write, and I was sitting there looking out the window at the view, typing, and. I looked beside me and kind of got spooked because there was a child standing like <laughs> one inch from me and I took my headphones out and it was Joshua. I, mm-hmm. I didn't, didn't know his name even at the time. And I'm like, oh, hey, buddy. He's like, hi. And he's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm Mike. I'm Joshua. And then we had a little conversation in uh, broken English and Spanish for like, 10 minutes i'm like that's just a, the sweetest kid i've ever met you know it was just so inquisitive and just he was so curious about me and uh and so i'm like yeah that's just what a nice little family that is and then that supper that day uh we heard someone ask how how's joshua doing anyway and rick kind of shook his head like, not good and what do you mean? Like, well, what, what's wrong with them? And so it turns out that Joshua has some type of uh, stomach issue, a gastrointestinal issue that's been there for three years where he hasn't been able to eat a meal without throwing it up for three years. So he is, he's super skinny and mm-hmm. his face is kind of long and I didn't. He's malnourished. Yeah, I didn't. And... I didn't really put that together. I thought it was just kind of just looked like that. Like yeah. people look different, you know. But then realize he's super malnourished. He's he's on the verge of death. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's dying. And his mother, who's again this really sweet, hardworking woman, uh, no father in the picture at all. He's completely gone. Um, she and she's also religious. She had given up or accepted the fact that God was taking Joshua. 
this is God's plan to take her son away. Like, yeah. That's just heartbreaking to hear. Like she, she'd given up hope and because there's, there's been no help like Joshua. Yeah. It's been three years of his health deteriorating and them going to multiple local doctors, none of whom were very helpful. Yeah. So his condition was left untreated and worsened and he developed ulcers and, a trip to Bogota is at minimum three hours. So you can imagine as a single mom with two little kids, one of who is deathly sick, the other is 10 and having to be taken out of school. And then you're leaving your business, which is your only means of income and survival. Like it's just a a horrific real lifestyle. You, you never saw any of them be anything but beautifully pleasant. Yeah. Of course, they, yeah. And so we, we hear this and we're like, oh my God, this is just heartbreaking. And the the residency, Rick um, started up or was thinking of starting some type of funding initiative. And like, well, I, over the last two years, have raised like $20,000 through, through online uh, fundraising. And well, to be more specific, through online hot sauce isolation bingo and I said, I would love to do some type of fundraising for Joshua and see what our our loyal fans back home can can bring to the table. And he's like, well, sure, like if you want to do that, that, that would be amazing. So we 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 set a date for the bingo. We we advertised, told people Joshua's story, and they just came out and were super supportive. Like. We raised twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah, almost three thousand when all was said yeah, and done. I think because yeah. there were some donations that came in after the night yeah, of the online true. bingo, and this was done through your band's profile online. And like Facebook, you said, yeah. it's been something that you've been doing ongoing the last couple of years, and have raised thousands of dollars for a variety of charities. And that always feels good and is meaningful and should continue. It was different to know and see this family firsthand yeah. and meet these children and know not only their struggle, but that this, I don't want to say it's a small gesture, but it was a relatively accessible gesture for you to pull off, even yeah. from Colombia, um, change their lives. Like that, that well, three hours of your time completely changed that yeah. family's lives. Well, the next... And a few days later, after we did that, we had another concert, and Aleha was there, and she came up to, I still remember, it was at the end of the night, and everyone else had left, and she just, she grabbed our hands and just looked at us in the eyes, and she had tears streaming down her face, and she doesn't know a lot of English, but she, she said it perfectly, she said, God sent me two angels. I needed a miracle and God sent you to me. And I, and then we're all crying yeah. and Joshua comes over and just wraps his hands around us. And it's this super emotional moment. And we realize in that moment, like we essentially saved the kid's life. Yeah. They, and there's certainly other like Rick and his 
community have been there supporting Joshua and Aleha and Sarah and, you know, not we can't take credit for all of that background, but it, it felt really good to give kind of that that boost. Like, here's a chunk of money that takes yeah. a little bit of the pressure off of not only their family, but off of Rick and those that are trying to support and come up with funds in that way. And I believe there was a GoFundMe started as well. We'll have to look into Around whether or not that time, exists yeah. still. Yeah. And maybe we can add the link and... But yeah, it it's they told us how much they loved us, and we feel the same. Like these are these are now family members to and us. And he's gotten to the hospital in Bogota. Like, might even have been like the day after we raised the money. He was there like really quick, yeah. and the doctors are like on the right path. Like it's not like okay, we have this cure right away. Like, but it's it's very promising. Yeah, it'll take time, but we we hear and and so the the following week after that event, uh, Aleha actually invited us to join her and Joshua and Sarah for lunch at her home. So we, I think we walked into town that day or took a tuk tuk. We we went into town and and met uh, her at her little coffee stall. She made us delicious drinks and snacks and we just kind of hung out with her for a couple of hours really and it was that was such a special day i i loved kind of practicing spanish with her and she was practicing her english and we were kind of at the same level of communication she we were with her for like a good chunk of time and then the kids got out of school and we all walked back to their little house their little spot together and on the way, the little girl, Sarah or Sarita. Yeah. Sarita she, is like little Sarah in Spanish. Okay. Sarita, if you add. I didn't is, even know that. Yeah. So whore is uh, Juarita's <laughs> little whore. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, Sarah looks up at both of us. She's just tiny 10-year-old girl. She's like, will you hold my hand? Yeah. And so she reached up both her hands and we grabbed... We grabbed her hands and walked through the village with her. Like she's in between us and we're just swinging along and Joshua's just smiling ear to ear. And it was again, no one like we're, we're the only white people in town. We're walking this family back to their place. It's just, it was a really special moment. And then we hung out with them and they made us an amazing lunch and, yeah, all traditional homemade food from the market. Yeah. Their house is just a little humble. It's full of love. And they would often talk about that. Like Alea would say, like, oh, it's not much, but it's filled with love. And like that yeah. was just sort of her mantra. And you could feel that. I mean, yeah. their toy box, I-, I would love just to send them whole stores worth but they they are just so content and love each other and support each other and we played that uh traditional Colombian card game with them it was super fun yeah it's uh, i don't even know what it's called but you have to slap down the cards really fast and it's just we're all losing it laughing and yeah it we'll never forget that day yeah and and we're fortunate we have their phone number that we can communicate through WhatsApp. And like we were just talking with them today. 
Yeah. And they've sent us pictures of the kids and I sent them a picture of us and of George. So yeah. I I I know in my heart that this family will be connected forever and we'll be there in any way we can for Joshua and Sarah too. She's gosh, that kid is like made of magic and I my heart goes out to her too because I can't imagine what it would be like for th- the last 3 years of her life having a sick sibling and so much attention and focus on him as need be but she's never complained and is just mm. just loves him and wants him to get better and that's a lot to ask of a a little girl too yeah yeah they're they're friends and Joshua wants to be a doctor when he grows up and she wants to be a vet and yeah and hopefully these this whole experience just puts them on the path they they deserve to be on and we talked about going to this residency to work on our second book. Yeah. We have no idea when that will come out, what it will look like. Of course, we worked on that and are are happy with a lot of the writing that we did. But that experience feels like why we went to Columbia. Yeah, it, was, it just all seemed to happen like when... As it was happening, it almost felt like it was pl- it was structured in some way. Like this is all meant to be. Like we're there meeting them at a time when they need this resource, and I have the f- fundraising opportunity and the amazing fan base for my band right there that that can help out. And yeah, and going back, we spoke earlier about the kindness of Nova Scotians and people pointing that out to us and what do we think about it? It was in that moment that you're so proud of your community and the people that have supported us the last number of years. And they just rose to the occasion. There weren't hundreds and hundreds of people playing bingo that night. There were actually just a handful. Like 50. Yeah. And managed to raise $3,000 for this young boy they hadn't met and just trusted our story and that it would get to the right place. And you just can't compare that that feeling for us of support as well. Yeah, it, it it feels like it was all supposed to happen, and we were we were meant to be in that place at that time for that to happen. It kind of the the residency. I don't even know if we said the name of it, but Artsumapes. Mm-hmm. Um, seemed like everything that was meant to happen did happen there. We we made a list of things earlier when we were talking. Everything always worked out there. It was a spiritual experience in many ways, although we weren't planning on that to be the case. And it's funny because people I've talked to about the residency since I've been home, it's hard to explain how this beautiful kind of series of what I'll call coincidences, though we both know that they were just miracles meant to happen. They were, they were these beautiful outcomes, but taking place (laughs) in a very challenging environment, at least for me, like there were these deadly creatures we talked about and it was muddy everywhere. We had to wear rubber boots and it was just kind of pr- everything was primitive like our shower was kind of indoor outdoor shower and you you got a clean towel only once a week when the cleaning service came like things were pretty 
I don't know, ba- basic. You, yeah. We weren't on vacation. We weren't at anything close to like a resort or even even like a hotel accommodation. Like it was nothing like that. Yet you were having these profound awakenings and realizations. And I think for me at least, and I talked to other, I opened up about my feelings as to what I was going through those first couple of weeks to some of our friends, our eventual friends at the residency. And so many of them said like, oh my God, the exact same thing happened to me. Like I cried a lot when I first got here. I I felt out of place. I didn't know if anybody liked me. I questioned if I was a good enough artist, which I certainly went through that. And it was so fascinating to me, like, what is it about this place? How are all of these people, like different ages, abilities, cultures, meeting in this Colombian mountainous epicenter in the just midst of nothing and going through this really crazy emotional roller coaster. It was like a place of healing, really. Yeah, there's there's something in the air there for sure. And like Joshua's, us meeting Joshua is one example of it, but there's like a guy rescued a dog who happened to have the ability to repel down. <laughs> yeah, he was a trained arborist that just happened to be on site when a dog fell over a bridge and he had to repel down. Uh, we weren't there then, but we heard that um, the person who got bit by a spider or something there happened to be a doctor there when it swelled up and they operated on it. Yeah. When oh, I walked outside and Rick's car was on fire, like I just yeah, happened to Yeah, the timing walk. was divine. Yeah, if it was another minute, the car would have been up in flames. Yeah. Um, I just, even the littlest things just always seem, oh, you, someone like had a cut on their foot and I just like happened to have band-aids and polysporin in my pocket. It was just all these little things and the same for us. Like whenever we needed something, it was, it was there. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's just, uh, maybe life, life working out the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And we went to create art, which we did. And I really appreciated the lessons I learned about art becoming, or or life for that matter, being taken less seriously, permitting ourselves to experiment more. Our friend Amy from the U.S. was such a great example of just a creative soul who let herself learn a Shakespeare monologue one week just because she wanted to. It served mm. no purpose other than her own enjoyment and she would share with us she was who choreographed the dance that we did she did a few of those like those are just a few examples but we we got to witness artists just trying new things like nobody has to see this I don't have to sell it I don't have to be good at it the figure drawing was a good example of that for us like we loved doing that and who cares if we're good at it or not yeah so I I really Yes, I did some writing. It's quite honestly not the best writing I've done. I even grappled with, do I want to write this book? Because I wasn't feeling in flow of creating that work. But I gained some some life lessons, I think, needed that needed to happen. And at the end of the day, that's all you, all you really want. And we're... 
every day we're we're looking to see what we can learn and see what we can bring bring forth in our life just to 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 add to it and I feel like we soaked up a lot at this residency in, yeah. in the good way. And so very quickly after the residency, yeah. we traveled back to Bogota for two nights, Yeah, I believe, one of which was my 40th birthday that we had big ambitions for, but you got violently sick. Yeah. We spent that day feeling sorry for each other. Like you felt bad that it was my birthday and I felt bad that you were sick and we're feeling bad that it was my birthday when it yeah. just didn't matter. But I'll never forget that day. Yeah. Like <laughs> Oh, that was maybe the sickest I've ever been. Yeah, you were gosh. I, I started crying because I because I had never seen you that sick and was I, I knew you'd be okay. It wasn't out of worry. I just my heart was just broken for mm. you. Like we're in a foreign country. Thankfully, we were in a really nice hotel by this time. We treated yeah. ourselves after mm. being in the jungle for a month to some pretty sweet accommodations. But yeah, it, it's just it's hard when you're in a new place and you're traveling. And like I had to go out and try to find some version of Gatorade or electrolytes and things mm. you could eat. And it was and then we we knew like so you were super sick this day. Barely, we didn't even turn the lights on in the hotel room. And we knew the next day we had to fly for six hours to get to New York City where we were going to spend another four nights. Yeah, it was it was tough. I'm still not recovered completely either. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, my body just, like, I was so sick. I was peeing blood, mm -hmm. which is, I've never even really heard of before. You were so dehydrated. Like, yeah. you just couldn't. You couldn't drink anything or do anything and yeah. fever and yeah, your body just shut down for like 24 hours. Mm. And then we biffed you on an airplane and took you to the busiest city <laughs> in the world. And that day we got into New York, we walked 15 kilometers I know, too. I know. And I'm like, I, we got you I a protein shake. I can barely move, but it just, New, it's York, New York is awesome. And, and that's, what's interesting too. Like we, we, New York could be a whole separate podcast episode, but that city is like a drug. It gives you energy that you could be on your deathbed. You literally were, yeah. and you find it in you to just take it in. It it feeds you somehow. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's, what do they call it? The city that everyone goes to bed at approximately 11 o'clock because they're walking all day and their feet are extremely tired and they need to get some rest to be ready for the next day. Is that's that our nickname for it. That's a bumper sticker, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what they call the city. That Yeah, that's right. I find a lot of people don't like the busyness of New York. And it, it is loud. There's a bunch of noise and smells and weird stuff all the time, but... I find if you can kind of vibe with the high energy, like if you can, it's consistent. So if you can function within that, it's almost to me becomes very peaceful because it's yeah. just like you embrace it for what it is and you're riding this wave and your senses are ignited and that can be really scary or obnoxious even for some like, oh, the crowds and this and that and I like we thrive in that. I kind of 
it's weird, but I kind of treat it the same as like the vastness of nature or something. Like, yeah, when I'm home in Cape Breton and you're whatever on the beach and there's just, you know, you can look as far as the eye can see at beautiful scenery. It's kind of the same in New York. It's just, it's all people. <laughs> right. Like, I just don't, I don't get caught up in all the little individual moments. Like I'm exactly. just kind of see it as a whole and take it all in. Yeah, in it's like a breathing organ. And I love the anonymity of it too. You, yeah, you, it's it so, it's so freeing to be in a place where you, you just have no self-consciousness or you don't care what you're wearing or doing or eating or what you look like or what you're doing. Like I, <laughs> Like Buddy over there doesn't have pants on, so nobody's paying attention to what you're doing. Like that is so liberating. You remember when we sat down in Central Park and the street performers were doing their dancing and jumping over people and we, we thought we were at a safe <laughs> oh, distance. <yeah. laughs> and we're like, Oh, look at them go away. And uh you, you said said this exact They line. were pulling volunteers. Yeah, they were the starting to get or... volunteers. And Kristen Victims. says they get all and the, the troop, the dance troop or jumping troop, whatever you call them, they were all black. And Kristen said, Oh, they go get all the dopey white guys. <laughs> and the second she said that, a guy ran over and grabbed my arm, started pulling on me. And I'm like, oh, this is the last thing in the world I want to do. The timing could not have been more brilliant. They, they the- were like these jacked, like hot black guys. And they, like they were talking about being like pulling out the milk or the white chocolate from the crowd. And they were all these like kind of middle aged, little bit chubby white guys. Wait now. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have a picture of it. It was so funny. And like the second that phrase left my mouth, they grabbed your Dopey arm. white guys. Yeah, no. And he starts yanking. I'm like, no, I'm not going. And then, then they make a big thing. Oh, he says he doesn't want to go. And then the yeah. audience like, oh, boo. I'm like, frig it. I guess I'll get up. Yeah. And I'm standing there pouring sweat and they're going to jump over me. And I'm like, it's physically, you can't jump over me. No human in the world can jump over me. And everyone in line is like, oh, they can jump over all of us. And there's like eight of us. But it's just all a big skit. Smoke and mirrors, huh? Yeah, at the end, they pick three people and they bend down. They jump over you. One of the really unique things we got to do in New York was meet up with friends of ours, Christine and Alfredo. So if you've read our book, You and Me, there's a chapter about... Us being in Colombia and meeting this couple, Alfredo, who's Peruvian, and Christine, who's a New Yorker, on this day trip that we had done. So our first trip to Colombia, we met this couple and they invited us to join them on their boat with their extended family for the day to go cruise around Long Island. Yeah. And they let us drive their boat and you went swimming in the harbor. and Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Like we're in, and again, obviously New York is awesome as we're describing, but we did a day trip to a random place we've never heard of and we're on a, on a boat in Long Island Sound, like just the most random thing ever. But that's all because I guess, because we were friendly Nova Scotians uh, a few years earlier, I heard this person in front of me said they had a headache and I offered them an Advil. Yeah. That's how (laughs) we met Christine. Exactly. I just had my first aid kit on me. And And it's also because we're willing to say yes to things. Yeah. Like we're, 
we didn't know them. We we spent three hours with them three and a half years ago. Yeah. And sure, we'll take an hour long train ride out to go boating with you. And they weren't when we <laughs> arrived. We're in this little town in northern part of New York, and uh, he uh, Alfredo works at the UN. Like so, he he's got his shit together. Yeah, he's a Christine smart guy. does too. Like they're both very on the ball, and and they weren't there. And there's like no traffic, no cars, and like, oh no, like this. Did they like? Well, get us? we figured we messed up our stop <laughs> or something, but they were just in the wrong. We were in the wrong spot or whatever it was. But uh, yeah, we were we were in a coffee shop with them five minutes later, and just we just had an amazing time. Yeah, and and they too will be friends for life. Like yeah. we'll we'll go see them again, absolutely, and. And some of the friends we met at the residency are also planning to move to New York or we're from New York. So that gives us all the more reason to go back to our yeah. favorite city. We will explore it. We will be back. So we're home in Nova Scotia. We're back to work. Uh, I'm really excited to be in my studio. I sold two paintings on my very first day of work as an nice. artist. So that feels good. I'm going to be doing... This episode's coming out Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, folks. Uh, I'm also doing what they call an Instagram takeover for Here and There magazine. So that'll be uh, being shared all day. Uh, my friend Aaliyah Solomon, she's a photographer and sponsored some of our episodes, helped set that up. And you've got some shows coming up on the weekend. Yeah, this Friday. I got three shows. So Friday... I'm at a little spot out by our place called the Rustic Crust. I'll be playing out in the patio. It's a beer garden. Just uh, first show back. So I'm just excited to to maybe even bust out a few of the new songs I wrote and just mm. really, really try to enjoy it. You know, that's one thing I, I've taken away from it. Try to enjoy the actual performances that happen. The Rustic Crust Friday, Brightwood brewery in dartmouth on saturday and then uh, my band the town heroes we play on sunday afternoon in dartmouth at uh called the open i think it's dartmouth open street or something mm -hmm. outdoor concert there'll be a bunch of vendors and people around so. sounds fun and they're all free gigs there are these three are all free yeah yeah well we hope to see some of you out at those shows and we've got some capacity to make custom artwork or if you have questions want to pop by we've got our book and our audio book online right now and we've got three guests that we have booked in over the next week or two to interview that will be on future episodes so this is a work in progress our podcast we've we love doing it i, I hope that shows but we found that we particularly love interviewing others so we might try to squeeze some more of those yeah. episodes in as much as possible this summer i think as much as we can we'd like to have guests on mm -hmm. and if you know someone who'll be a good guest uh shoot us a message and if you have any questions at all we'd love to chat um i think that's that's pretty that much wraps, it, wraps up. it up there uh yeah if you have any questions about the residency or want to chat shoot us an email all the info is in the description here yeah so thanks to everyone at arta sumapez you offered us quite the experience that we'll never forget it's true and yeah we'll we'll, we'll be back someday in some capacity and uh 
thanks for thanks for everything. Thanks for being good people and uh, showing us showing us all the things that you did. And we're off. Cheers, buds.